0: If you don't have a space, a safe space where you can like muck up and like get it wrong, then you're never gonna learn. So that's this idea of a community of practice where there's a safe space where you can try stuff. If you don't get it right or you fail, you can just you know, you can just get up, dash yourself off and and go on and try again. You're listening to one more question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work.
1: One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, Can we just ask you one more question? And that's the antithesis of what this podcast is. It's about sharing the best conversations we've had with significant creators, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating purposeful brands. This season is focused around unpacking the topic of purpose, exploring what purpose means in its many forms, and we share how people are using purpose to build great companies and successful brands. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I talk to Pierre Duplessis. Pierre helps people do work that matters in this chaotic world. He's a speaker, educator, and author. In his words, he's the love child of Gertrude Stein and Jason Bourne with latent telekinetic powers. We chat about how it's our human nature to build things and that we have an ethical responsibility with all of the things that we create. We talk about his work that matters and how it went from a ritual that formed a blog into a book and ultimately into a community. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Pierre. Thank you very much for joining us.
0: Thanks, Ross. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, I enjoyed while we were having our, our pre-recording conversation, I asked you, um, you know, I said that having, having observed your work from the outside, there seems to be a clear sense of purpose, and I think the answer you gave me is that you know, after two decades, you're beginning to see, <laughs> see the outlines of, of something. Can, <laughs> you, can, you, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, so um, I've been digging into why I'm doing what I'm doing, obviously for well, a really long time, at least the two decades of my working life. And um, I don't really like the idea of being, being like too certain about what you're busy doing because I, I, I have a really big value for, for doubt. I think doubt is like a really important part of just walking through life and walking through your you know, career, business, whatever. You have to continually doubt what you're busy doing so that you, um, you don't get stuck in a rut. So, like, literally, continually questioning: Is this the right thing to do? Am I am I still doing what I want to do? Is this does this have the purpose that I want it to have? Like, continually asking questions and and doubting your own existence in a kind of a weird way.
1: Okay, and I mean, so so on your site, you you say do work that matters. Uh, you know, yeah. like. How did you, how did you arrive at that? Like, how did you doubt yourself into, um, into this point
0: of, um, being able to state something like that? You were able to say, do work that matters. So do work that matters. Yeah. has It had, a like so many different iterations before I landed on that, which it, you know, it obviously is that for, for the moment, live a meaningful life and do work that matters. And, um, so I come from this artist from art and design and art direction background. And the um, way we are always making work, like creating, creating work, doing, making things that exist sort of outside of ourselves. So in the way that um, artists also talk about their work, you know, they don't talk about their work in a way that, um, that normal people do, or like other people do that we talk about going to work or working, they talk about work as something that exists, like separate from themselves, like as a painting or a sculpture or a you know, or a drawing or an installation or whatever. And um, they also talk about work in a way like sometimes work is good. They'll, they'll say something like, you know, I, I I really enjoyed that person's work or that is a really good work or that is good work out there. And like, so, so creating work that matters is really like, it's obviously really important to me because I think that that work is something that should matter. Like it should be doing something that's good in the world. So, like we were talking earlier, but like we're human beings, we we build stuff. So we, wherever we arrive, wherever we land, wherever we go to, we we build something. We make something. We build cities. We like flatten forests and like you know create new stuff. That's what we do. It's sort of what we what we are designed to do, or created to do, or have evolved into um doing and um and i think this is it it, it's what sets humans apart in a way like you don't see animals doing that like building cities and building you know creating artworks and building roads and things they so human beings do that and we also i mean i mentioned earlier as well but we're also tool makers so everything you see around you if you just sort of wherever you're sitting and listening like this is, whatever you see around you is a tool. The car you're driving yes. in, the phone you're holding in your hand, the, the mug that you're holding, everything that you have is a tool. Even art is a tool. And so art is, it's my friend Conrad Hicks, he's a blacksmith, so he talks about tool making quite a bit. And, um, and so the, the, my, my thinking just went, well, if we, if, we, if we are destined to make work, to build stuff, we better do it in a good way. We better do it in a way that matters. Because I think we've been mucking it up like royally for the last hundred and hundred and fifty years or even longer. <laughs> and like creating I mean, I love, it, Yeah. I love the idea of this that, that work is this
1: it's an object or a creation and not a not a task. Um because I think a task is something that you can do and complete, whereas an object is something with a little bit more permanence to it. Um something that actually exists. After the task is complete, um, and uh, and I guess with that as a framework of thinking about it, does it make you question what you do every day? Does it make you question the products you're creating, or the companies that you you're running, or or the brands that you're building? I think that's a very
0: interesting yeah take on things. Yeah, absolutely, I, I, I for sure. Because like whether you're creating a spreadsheet or you're creating a sculpture, it's the same. It's the same thing. Like you're doing, so you're creating something that didn't exist before. And um, so, or you're helping to create something that didn't exist before. You're playing your part in a bigger organization that's creating, that's producing work. So, and is that work good or not? Is it, does it matter or not? Are we doing something that's helping humanity move forward or backward? It's like, what is our ethical and moral responsibility in creating like work? So I have a really big, I have a really big um, issue with things that matter. So things should matter. Like and matter to me means that it's moving us, like it's moving us forward, and it's changing the way that we live. Like it's not just there to create money or to create, um, I don't know, fans or whatever.
1: I mean, there's something interesting, you know, you just said that that this creates an ethical responsibility. So, so we're, you know, in, in theory, your theory is that we're all, we're all here to build and we build things all the time. And now you're saying that we've got an ethical responsibility to create something that, that matters. Um, can you, can you like, how has that manifested for you? How has that guided what
0: you create, um, you know, over the last couple of years? So for me, uh, what 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 my work entails, or what I want to create, is I really want to change the way that people see themselves, and I, I really want to change the way that um, change the way that people train for their lives, like the way that they develop themselves into becoming like a better human being. So that so I believe that everybody has something inside them that they need to be building something that exists within there that should come out, that the world needs to see. So something that we, that only you can bring or only that you need to bring to your community, right? So, and I want to know what that is. And it, that's the change that I seek to make. The change that I want to bring is like, I want to help people find that, do the work to find that inside, like find that, that calling, if you want to call it that, or vocational purpose or whatever. And then, sort of help them to to get it out there to like to make the world and to start building it. And I think that's what, that's what my kind of mission is to inspire people to inspire to incarnation. I like those two words because inspire means like in spirit, it means breath in to like breathe in. And, um, that's a very kind of, so I'm like a, I've got like a theology and spirit, spirituality background as well. So like to breathe spirit in, And to think about inspiration as this muse or something that comes inside of you that you breathe in, it's like just like this really freaking cool image. And then the opposite word to that or the extension of that is incarnate. So, an incarnate means taking on flesh, like carnivore flesh. So, you have to breathe in the spirit and then like breathe out or like. Or then incarnate the work so the work takes on flesh so i want to help people in that process like help them breathe in the spirit or the spirit the breath that's already inside of them like help that take on flesh so that they can create this work that that we will all go oh my word that's amazing i wish you did that sooner so how does i
1: mean how does this manifest in the things that you create like what have you put this kind of energy into
0: where do I put this? Where, how do I do? So what do I what I do is I in the last kind of 10, 10 to 15 years, I've discovered training, like practices. Like there's certain things that are that are old and ancient and that humanity has been doing for hundreds and thousands of years because they work, because they help with this process of discovering who you are, what your talents are, what your gifts are. Uh, how to grow up as a human being and then um, how to start creating stuff. So I've been digging into those things forever and things like meditation is like a really obvious one and uh, journaling and there's like going on a retreat, going in solitude, like all these, all these kind of, you know, sometimes uh, sort of woohoo kind of weird things that tend to be ignored by serious business people. And, um, but these things are really important and they really help people become better human beings, like discover who they are, what they, and what their purpose is. And then that's like a good place to start creating work from then to then create work. Then that's true. So I teach people those practices. I kind of write about them. I, um, try and get people to do Try and transform communities around these practices so that they can, so people can do them together and like discover them and kind of train together to become better human beings.
1: So, I mean, I think there's something very interesting there because, you know, we at, at um, Nice Work have a few practices that we follow. Oh, yeah. um, so, so we have daily standups and we share uh, things that inspire us, you know, and it, it's, it's these little rituals I think that are in organizations that can often create a culture um, and that culture can often drive the behavior and the success or failure of an organization. So I don't think it just applies to, to Pete, like to, to individuals. I think organizations can take some of this thinking too. Uh, Very interestingly during this time, it's, it's shown us even more as we, as we move from being in a room together every day to being distributed. Um, these practices have become more important. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the, the meeting I was on just before this, or meeting is a loose nice word, was a thing that one of our designers started called catch up, which is just eating lunch together on a Zoom call. Oh, and cool. it's not like there's an agenda or anything, but it it just it gives you a window back into that person's life, and you know, like in that like in between time, there's something really really special. So I think there is something yeah. really powerful in this idea of of practices that you can repeat. And I think that it works on a personal level, but I also think it works for organization. Like if you want to be innovative or creative, like what are the practices you're instilling that encourage and reward and, and,
0: you know, accelerate innovation and creativity. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I think, I think at our very base, human, humans are, we are ritualistic beings. And ritualistic and ceremonial beings. So we, we create ceremony all the time. And um, I think one of the big things that we've lost in our enlightened, so-called enlightened world, it's not looking very enlightened at the moment, but like in our so-called enlightened world is we've lost ritual, ritual and ceremonies, because, um, because many people can't ascribe to the belief system that was connected to them. But the rituals are still really important. And because they, 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 they give a rhythm and a pace to your life. And they give you some sort of you know, a sense of stability. And like one of my one of my favorite answers to a, you know the the that 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 ever irritating question, what should I do? And one of my favorite answers to that question is um like what does your tradition tell you to do? So, like, what is the rhythm that you should be that you should be following in a time like this? What are the practices that your culture Your tradition has taught you to do in a time like this, and then go there, Mm. because those have been like tried and tested for like hundreds of years and generations of people have been doing them, and they've been doing them for a reason. So tapping into that like rhythm, the rhythm of ritual, it's very very powerful. And rituals create culture because they they I mean culture is all about shared meaning, right? So you and I share meaning, and if you do a ritual or or a rhythm, something like I don't know, you mentioned stand up or the lunch thing. Like that, that's like shared meaning for your community, like for the nice work community. And the more yes. shared meaning you build in an organization, the more, the stronger your culture is. Because only- I mean, I, I think that's, that's such a powerful thought. Like, and
1: I think it even applies to, to your, your customers or your clients. Like if you can, if you can build a relationship with somebody that you serve, that that you you engage in a ritual with them and you're part of their lives, then you are part of their way of understanding the world. Like your your possibility for success is is infinitely higher. Um, I think you look at companies like Instagram, you know, they've they've basically fused themselves into the fabric of our days. And we are we are we are in with that product whether we whether we're making an active choice or not. Um, you know, and I think that is I think in it there's a lot of that design around those rituals and those habits, and and I think there's some thinking that I'm going to do around how do we make that, how do we make our experience, our clients' experience at Nice Work a little bit more like that? Like, what are those things? What can we share with people that make them feel more connected to us as a
0: organisation? Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I um because I think like the the the, the biggest thing that you can do or the, one of the most important things you can do is you become part of somebody else's story. So and when you enter into their narrative, then, then you can stay there forever if you're continually helping them move forward in their story. And that's like one of my mm-hmm. big pet peeves with organizations is they keep on trying to get customers to join their story. And it's like, dude, I, nobody wants to join your stupid corporate story. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I've got a story I'm living. Which is giving me meaning and purpose, if you join my story, like an Instagram is a really good example of that Instagram is such a big part of my story because it's i show I get to share my story with the world you know or with yes. however many followers I have or whatever so they've 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 joined my story I'm not joining the instagram story that's like i don't I don't understand why people want to try and do that with customers like it feels it feels like colonization or something. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, think it's, I think it's just a natural human flaw that, uh, you know, we are, are designed to talk about ourselves. We're designed to communicate about ourselves. And when we do, we release, um, you know, uh, like dopamine into our brain, which is a pleasure thing. So I think when the marketers sit around the table and they write the story about themselves and how important the company is and the work they do, it feels really good to them and it feels right. Um, the problem is it doesn't feel right to the people that they're trying to approach. Yeah. So when, 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 you receive that message, you go, but how do you help me? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to move on now. Yeah. So, so I think it is like a natural thing that we do. Um, we just, I think when you're wearing
0: that hat, you need to be cognizant of that and, and actually work against it. Yeah. So it's like, you need a, so, you, so my mind immediately, it, it immediately goes to like uh uh what what practice would I recommend here? Yeah? I often feel like a you know like a doctor prescribing things for people to do, so like I would really recommend like a, a compassion meditation or like a loving kindness meditation so that you can understand that you're not the only person in the world and that there are other people there are people on the other side of the screen or on the other side of your product. yeah, so like you need to do some compassion training so that you can understand these other people out there.
1: I like that. I mean, the thing we always say to our clients is that that, you know, let's let's start from the point that nobody gives a shit. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: you know, so if we start there and and we use that as a filter and we look at everything that we're creating, is it gonna make them give a shit? Is it gonna take them across the give a shit line? Yeah. Um and if the answer is no, then you need to to go back to to the drawing board and you need to to rethink things. Um and very interestingly, I know you mentioned story earlier, so often it is. Exactly like you say, telling that story, showing people how what you do matters and how it can make their life better and how it can be part of their world. And that's what gets people to actually connect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. People love a good story.
1: So, so now tell me, you you, you wrote your book, um, uh, you train naked. Is this like an evolution of of all the the writing that you were doing on your websites? Um, like, how did how did that book come about, and what is the the point of it?
0: Yeah, so train naked. Um, train, it's like interesting when it's like somebody literally like every now and again somebody asks me, do you really train in the nude? Because I I also train <laughs> obviously. Like, it's like, and then sometimes I answer yes, and sometimes I answer no, depending on who the person is. But um, <laughs> Uh, Train naked is a it's two hundred and fifty daily. I think two hundred and forty fifty. I can't remember. It's like daily reflections that I've written over the past couple of years. So they are a, a, a rework of my. Um, the, I send out this daily email, this daily blog, um, and so it's a rework of those. It's like uh, we went through it, my editor and I, and we prepared, like, we went through like a couple of hundred. I can't remember how many, and then picked like two hundred and Something 240 or something, of the ones we thought were best, and then put them together in a book. I rewrote them so they fit better in a book, and then um also organized them a little bit into three broad categories, and then added some extra practices and things at the end of it. So practices that people can do. So that's kind of the idea. So the Train Naked book is is a, it works like a daily like a daily meditation or a daily reflection. So the idea is that you you read it in the morning or leave it by your toilet and whenever you go you can like read a page of it so it's like it's designed to be to be read in like these little daily bites and they invite you to do something so the the sign off line at the end of the end of my email is get skin in the game which is which is the um according to some historians i haven't found like proper proof of it yet somewhere but according to some people it's um, they're above the gymnasia in ancient Greece, above the doors. There used to be written the line, um, strip or attire. In other words, like get skin in the game. Like when you're in, you're in here, you either, you're either either taking part or you're not getting in here at all. And um, so the invitation of Train Naked is also like to train naked, to strip and get in the game, like to to go for it. And that's and that's sort of the idea of the book. Uh, it keeps on getting like flagged on Facebook and Google because, because of having naked in the title. And I have to keep on sending it in for like reviews again for so, like um, actual people to review it and not a bot because it keeps on getting flagged as porn or something. So it's kind of interesting.
1: That's very funny. Yeah. So lessons for any aspiring author after yeah, there like, not put the word naked in the title.
0: Yeah. Was, uh, it, it, it works really well in a bookshop. Because like, yeah. because the book looks yeah. different and it's, na- it's got naked in the title. So obviously everybody's going to look at it. And, um, but uh, not so well when the Facebook claims it has like, you know, it's a family place or something. So so why don't you launch a digital only copy, which is Train
1: Sans Clothes. Um, <laughs> and, and that one will, will do better.
0: Train Sans Clothes. <laughs> okay.
1: So so no I mean it's it's interesting that there seems to be like a like a path that you're following you know can you can you talk a little bit about this community
0: that you you've launched um palestra palestra um, yeah so palestra is like a the next step in the evolution of my exploration of work that matters like meaningful living and work that matters and uh, after writing the the blog for so many years i realized and i've always wanted to create this sort of a a, a community where people who band together and really want to dig into these practices can come together and then try them together so and encourage one another and uh, we, and, and we're a place where we can go a little bit deeper, where you can dig deeper into practices and go into them a little bit in more detail and like follow up on people like, and keep them accountable because so Palestra is a, it's a community. Of practice, so a community where people are allowed to do practices and to practice. It's a there's a friend of mine. Um, his name's Leonard Sweet, and he taught me this idea behind a community of practice. That that um, so he tells a story of his son. They live in the states, and his son um, had to choose a musical instrument to to practice on or to start learning over the summer holidays. And his son chose the clarinet. And now they had to sit with his son um, and he was like, I think it was like nine or 10 years old at the time, learning the clarinet for the first time for the three months of summer holiday. And it's like freaking awful. It's like a nightmare. Like when you hear somebody play clarinet well, like, I mean, playing it well doesn't even always sound that nice. Like playing it badly is terrible. And he said like, well, why, you know, why do we allow him to do it? Because we want him to practice. So that if you, if you can't, if you don't have a space, a safe space where you can like muck up and like get it wrong, then you're never going to learn. So, and so that's this idea of a community of practice where there's a safe space where you can try stuff. If you don't get it right or you fail, you can just, you know, you can just get up, dash yourself off and, and go on and try again. So palestra is that. It's palestra. The name the word palestra is the name of the wrestling school. That's inside of a gymnasium, like an ancient Greek gymnasium. So it's sort of like, and wrestlers, in the ancient world, were they were like superstars, like superheroes and nearly like these demigods. And like so it's this very special group of people. And I wanted to create this sort of a, a special separate place where a community can train together to become better human beings. So there's practices we send out stuff and you, you subscribe to the whole thing and you have to have like some skin in the game. So there's like a transaction. And then um, <clears throat> so you subscribe to it and you can enter this this community so that's kind of the idea behind palestro so a place we can train together
1: so there seems to be like a a greek language theme running through everything (laughs) can you tell me a little bit about you know and and i ask because when we building brands for people um you know like i think words are important and language is important so picking the right words and picking the words for your brand and your community and your people has meaning and it has importance like is yeah. this something that you've accidentally done or is it just a, a, like a, a, a
0: happy accident uh no it's, it's very intentional it's very intentional so i i um i used to have this on the side like a, a little boutique branding um, agency or thing we did a couple of brands for people and i really love like naming things that's like and that's another thing while we're talking about it's it, another thing that that human beings do besides building we build something and then we name it so we 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 are always naming stuff forever we name everything rivers animals streets buildings planes ships like everything our kids so um, and naming stuff gives us it gives us like a control a control over it so naming naming something is the opposite to chaos like there's a whole there's a whole podcast on that but like naming giving something a name gives you control over it And uh, that's one of the main ways we handle chaos. So why it's really important in like a corona world to name stuff properly. Anyway, so uh, palestra and my daily email is called gymnasia, gymnasia, which means train naked. And then I play around with all these Greek words and things. Firstly, because they have stories behind them. And so whenever somebody goes, what the hell is gymnasia? I was like, well, gymnasia, actually means to train naked. Let me tell you about training naked. Like, why is it important to train? Why is it important that it's naked and the, like there's no masks and proteins? And then palestra is the same thing, like the story that I've just told. Us. So it gives me an opportunity to talk about the project. So um, instead of just going, hey, we're doing this thing, it's a, a meditation class. And people are like, oh, that's nice. Um, it's like, no, it's a palestra. Said, What's a palestra? Well, let me tell you. Palestra is this and this and this. So there's a whole story that goes behind it. So I'm sort of, I suppose, in the branding world, part of that school of thought that says like, a name should be a little bit weird and have a story behind it. Like it shouldn't just be a descriptor. A, a, you know, a descriptor. And, um, and I also like ancient Greek words and names because I come from like a theology background as well. So I, I know, at least know a couple of Greek words. And, um, and then I really love philosophy. So philosophy is a big part of of palestra and of my world. So when I was in in high school, I had we had those diaries. I don't know if kids still get them. Like we had those diaries you got handed out at the beginning of the year. Do you remember them? I don't know if you had them. But like so we had um we had those diaries and then in mine I kept on writing down aphorisms. Like these little sayings from philosophers and like little sayings that I that I, that I thought up and I was like this kind of arty kid and like this emo kid and really deep and like thinking. And so I've just always really yeah. loved- like, Having your, your Mark Twain quotes. Yeah. Uh, ready Ready to be dug out at any moment. Dude, I was like that guy. I so wish I still <laughs> had that thing. Like it was called a, a plan, Like a, oh I so wish I kept it. Because like, it so, it, eventually it got passed around the school and people would read it. Like they would read it like they would read a book. I was like, this is maybe it was like maybe a prophecy or something that I didn't get at the time. <laughs> but uh, it was like my first book. I, I wish I could get it back or I know where it is. But anyway. So I've just really always loved philosophy. And so um so so the Greek sort of ties into that. It ties into that philosophical roots of the Western world and, and all that. So it, it feels like to me, at least that it gives it a little bit of gravitas. Like it's not something I'm not, I'm not a fan of new. I, I think like old stuff is better and old stuff that's still around is the best. So if something gets reprinted and reread at 2000 years after it was written, it's like, you better read it because there's a reason that it's keep, that people are reprinting it all the time.
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, I really, I, I like that. I, I think there's something. Uh, what I really enjoy about it is that it's you. You're very clear, um, you know, and, and it's not, it's not inclusive of everyone. It's like I like this. This is my thing, you know. I'm committing to that, um, you know, and I think that's quite a strong thing, which most people don't, don't ultimately do. Yeah. So can yeah. I can can I ask you? Like, did you? Like this, definitely. Like this, this path that you're on. Like when you started out, like was it clear that this is what you were doing? Um, you know, like how? Because this, you know, when you when you tell your story, there's a very clear and logical leap from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Um, is this is this because you put intention behind it, or is it is it just sort of? An evolution of of experiments.
0: I think um, so. It's it's always interesting to me as well, because because when I, people come to me and ask me advice or whatever for their own career path or journey or whatever, it's really easy for me to connect the dots. And it's it's a much easy. It's very difficult to read the label from inside of the bottle. You know that, like, so it's. For you know, if you commenting, you can see the clear path. It's it wasn't always that easy for me to see this path. Now looking back mm-hmm. with the benefit of hindsight, I can go, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But I think anybody's path is like a, a continual reflecting and observing and figuring out what the next thing is. What is it? So for me, like stuff is very. I try and approach things in a very sort of intuitive way. So trying to sense and feel my way forward, what I should be doing next, what I should be exploring next. And whenever I've done something very intentionally, like I've decided this is going to be the path, this is going to be the goal in five years' time, I'm going to be there and that, like it has never, ever, ever worked, ever. <laughs> like I've always like failed spectacularly when I've done that with a, with a business or a project. But when I, when I, when I went to my intuition, And I've just, and I just feel my way forward and just try and see, you know, the couple of next steps, then that, then those choices have been much better for me in the long run rather than like plotting out my five year career path. I I think some, I always joke and say, I maybe have a five day plan. I don't know if I've got a five year plan. (laughs) Well, you seem to have
1: achieved quite a lot for someone with a five-day plan, so it's obviously working. Five days at a time, um, at times a thousand. <laughs> can Can I ask you a question? You know, see, so you've you've gone from doing this practice on your own, you know, the daily blog, and then obviously putting that together into a book. Now you're running a community, um, you know, and in, uh, at Nice Work, we're big fans of of kind of people who have the 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 goal to create a community because it's. A lot of work and it's it's almost like it's a full-time a full-time gig all on its own to keep a community going (laughs) um (laughs) what what has been some of the lessons uh, you know what are some of the things that you you wish you knew when you were going into this process of setting up this community that that would have made it easier for you or that that you didn't really expect to happen can you talk a little bit
0: about that as a as a thing uh so (laughs) palestra is a it's pretty young still but um the So I've been building communities for a really long time. Uh, it's uh, so connecting tribes together. I mean, there's that famous Seth Godin book, um, "Tribes," which I love. And building communities is something that I've been doing in various, you know, various aspects of my life for the, I think the past kind of fifteen years. So, and it's all sort of playing into this, you know, building palestra, setting it up in the last uh, couple of months. There's been a lot of lessons that I've learned from other communities and building other communities that are, that are really helpful now. And I think like, for me, the, the main thing that I've learned in building a community is to like, be clear what it's about. Like people need to know certain people join a community because they, they resonate with what it stands for. Like there's a, a great saying also safe going that says uh, people like us do things like this. And I, I love that line, it's so cool, and I wish more people get it. Like, you, if you're putting, you're putting like-minded people together in a, uh, in a room or online on a group or whatever, and then they'll start talking. When you give them the, the tools to talk, then they'll start talking. But if you can give them rituals and practices and shared meaning, like symbols and, and, symbols and rituals that they can share within that space, then that like that's the glue for it, which I think is really mm. cool. And then like so also the one of the biggest lessons I've learned is not to try and grow things too fast. like so it's, it's like two things like don't it, it should grow organically, but you should make sure that it's healthy and like because healthy things grow. so focusing on growth doesn't always work. it actually breaks it um, if you're trying to grow it too quickly, trying to grow it with steroids. If you're growing it organically, it takes longer, but it's lot stronger. But mm. you have to make sure that it's healthy, because like healthy things grow. When a community is healthy, it will grow. Like, um, and so don't care about the growth, care about the health. I think that's like one big lesson that I've learned.
1: I like that. So it's it's being clear, being very very specific who this is for, and and who, and I suppose implicitly who this is not. Yeah, and uh, not. Forcing growth uh, and not forcing forcing expansion at all costs. That you need to balance that with healthiness. Yeah. Um, I was reading something this morning. Um, there's a, a design company called Snask from Stockholm, and they've written a book called "Make Enemies and Gain Fans." Oh yeah. Um, and I like that. Cool. They say that if you don't have enemies, you can't expect to have fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is such a cool thing, and I, and uh, I love. I love that you're very specific around who you are for and yeah. what happens there. Yeah. And I think that's a very good lesson for, yeah. for any who's, who's got a company or a product or a service or a brand is being very clear on who you for and what you do, because that allows the right
0: people to find you yeah. and and value that you want to create for them. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think like, and the palestra is very specific. Like it's, it's it's a combination of practices, and then there's philosophy in there, and there's art in there, and there's design in there, and there's like innovation in there. So there's like these five things. So if you like new shit, pretty things, doing practices, and reading dead people, like you're in, like then <laughs> like, then you are one of us. Like so yeah, that's, that's those are the people that, that 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 like join the community. It's like. Pretty things, yeah. Crazy stuff, dead people, and <laughs> like old ancient practices. It's like you're in.
1: That's amazing. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think just to just to close out, like if somebody is interested in connecting with the community, how how
0: do they go about doing that? So there's a couple of ways you can go. You can um, just go onto my website. Um, it's this is pierduplessis.com or you can just like type my name into the Google machine and then it'll pop up. And uh, Or you can go straight to Palestra. It's palestra, P-A-L-A-E, S-T-R-A. dot C-O dot Z-A and it'll take you to the Palestra page, but that's also my website. So on my website, you can subscribe to daily email and then you can get a feel for what everything is about and uh, then eventually it'll introduce you to Palestra as well. But yeah, so that's gonna. And my book and everything is on my website if you want.
1: Right. So, so I mean, apart from triggering my um, my dyslexia right at the end there, uh, (laughs) you know, that's a a wonderful interview. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for creating the things that you do to hopefully make the world a a better place. Cool dude. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Awesome. And we'll catch you in the next one. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. In the words of Carlos Corbyan, sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please send it on to them. This is our second season, and we'd be super grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button. And if you think we're worth it, give us a review. We welcome feedback, good or bad. We release an episode every two weeks. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a purpose-led branding company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you'd like to further this conversation reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're a little bit old school, let us know and we'll make you a mixtape.